1: Sangram, you're welcome to another fun episode of the Philip Maffel podcast. Today, I have an introduction from Dwayne Cummings, who we just recently heard on the podcast. He is an incredible friend, and he introduced me to Ricardo, who has written a book on this idea of cultural mastery. Now, quite honestly, anybody who talks about culture, I feel like everybody has something to say about it. And when I, I think just in a brief conversation, I think I said, wait, 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 let's start recording because you're giving some good stuff away. So I literally paused him to say, well, let's start recording. So Ricardo, welcome to the show. Thank you, Sangraman. It's a pleasure. It's an honor. Yeah, it's, uh, it's saying likewise, man. You were already giving me so many good thoughts that, you know, I have like a page. Oh, before we started to record that uh, pause you, I'm like, no, 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 let's start
0: over. So first of all, let's just start with a fun fact about yourself. Yeah, so my, my dad is like one of twenty seven kids from the mountains of Puerto Rico, right? And, and my and my mother was an orphan from the state of Kentucky. So I'm I'm like literally saying what I call Puerto Rican hillbilly, right? <laughs> and so I mean I mean I had one my, gra- my, my grandmother in Puerto Rico is like pero mira Ricardito, pero qué pasa, mi amorcito, qué lindo, and, like, and the other one's like, now Ricky, now Ricky, I told you not to do that, Ricky. <laughs> <You know? laughs> I'm like this little very confused little Puerto Rican hillbilly. Culturally. So you can
1: speak both languages fluently, and you know yeah, all, all that, all the yeah. Wow. Well, so <laughs> obviously that would get you into like the cultural stuff, and and you were chatting about this this idea that I never thought about. And, and let's just put it out there, right? This idea of racism versus culturalism. Let's just go directly wow. to that. It, it is it is such a big
0: topic, and and you said something that I was like, I never thought about it this way. Could you expand on that? Yeah, you know, it's a, it's it's a little bit complex, but. A lot of what we call racism, right, is really ethnicism or culturalism, right? Mm. So a lot of what people are reacting to are the cultural distinctions. They're, they're reacting to the cultural differentiations, not necessarily color, mm. right? Yeah. But, it, but in the United States, it really kind of gets marked as, as, as racism. But I think that if we're, very, if we're more thoughtful, right, yeah. and, and, and here's the real issue with this if we're attacking the wrong problems, we're going to get the wrong results, right? 100%. And so a lot of times we're, we're dealing really honestly with the wrong problems and we're getting the wrong results, where if we would focus in on what our real issues are, then we're probably gonna get a much better result. And so that, that's really a lot of, you know, the, the whole, like with the six stages of cultural mastery, it's, it's really geared towards, you know, how do I, as a leader, how do, how do I develop the mindset and the skill set of being able to really master the diverse relationships? Right. And, yeah. and, and so it's, 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 it's a really fascinating conversation, man. And I give a ton of examples on this, but you know, so.
1: Yeah, no, I I, love, I mean, I think it's because like, you know, I'm originally from India and I, I think about cultural uh, as a big part of it. And I find myself many a times into like, the conversations we're having internally, externally, I'm like, well, some of the things I'm just not aware of and I've yeah. operated in a different format and somebody else. And and I could very really clearly see that somebody could put a name to it. But it really is that, well, there's just a different way of thinking and doing things and you grow up and, and that kind of sticks with you. And until you are thoughtful, as you said, about it, you probably would never know it, but you notice it and you have to put a name to it. So you look at a color and you start talking about that as a color thing, but it probably is more just different of opinion and different of raising.
0: Yeah. A lot of it is kind of the collision of the, of the, of the values and of the beliefs, you know, yeah. what, what I have found in my work is that even most leaders don't actually understand what culture even is. Right. And so if we don't really understand what it is or how it's formed, then when we kind of work to try to transform it or try to create it, yeah. we, we, we struggle with it. Right. And, and so we kind of want to take a step back and we go, you know, we're throwing around a lot of words, you know, a lot of people like, like racist is a word people throw around, xenophobic is a word people throw around, you know, bigoted is a word people throw around. And what I find is most people aren't even using those words correctly. Yeah. Right? And, and so it's like, again, if we're attacking the wrong problems, we're going to get the wrong results. I think there are just a much better ways that that's, that's all, you know, I think most people are well-intentioned. Yeah. You know, but I think we've created better ways. We are yeah, there a better <laughs> way. Like you have with your ABM, you know? Yeah.
1: We're trying to talk about the problem, and like you know, it's right behind me even now. It's like you know, what is the problem that we're solving? Like consistently, just talk about the problem. Even when a lot of times we would talk about our product, I have to pull my team out and saying, "Let's stop talking about the product. Let's get back to the problem. Like, why do we exist? What is the main thing we're trying to do here?" So along the line. You wrote the book on six stages of a cultural mastery. Could you just outline the six and maybe we can talk about two or three that that is something that you can dig in? Yeah,
0: you know, so you want, we, we always want to start with the end in mind, you know. Yeah. And, and so I, I used to always be very uncomfortable when people would start talking about cultural tolerance. Yeah. And, and I go, that's not right. You know, I mean, like, it's, it's like, are we going to go through life just gritting our teeth at each other? <laughs> you know? I mean, that's I, I, I grew up. I, I mentioned my family. You know, I grew up in this very chaotic home culturally. You know, and and two families who, I mean, really could never connect, right? And sometimes they would tolerate each other. They they never loved each other, I think, and, and they a lot of times they were just conflictive with one another, you know. And if you look at the macro, for example, in our country, in our world, we've got a lot of cultural conflict, right? And and one could probably say in America we actually have kind of cultural civil war going on, you know. Right. And so my thinking was there has to be a better end result and a better goal, right? So to me, that's endearment. You know, can we get to a place where we are culturally endeared to one another, where we actually love each other? Because love will sacrifice for the common good. And and I think that's the beauty of that concept, right? You know, tolerance won't do that. Tolerance and the antithesis to hate is not tolerance. The antithesis to hate is love, right? So when I started working on the six stages of cultural mastery, it was like starting with the end in mind. We have to be able to get the cultural endearment. And then what are the, what's the process to get there? And, and, and a lot of people, I think, have a little bit of a misnomer about this because people, even in, in, in English, you know, people say, well, well they fell in love. It's not true. People grow into love, right? And so my thinking is there's, there's got to be a process to get there. So stage one, and they all start with the letter E. So stage one of cultural mastery is education, okay? It is, a, it is astonishing, Sangram, how many people who they've been working together 10 years, 15 years, or people who are selling to other people, right? And they know so little, just from a standpoint of knowledge, about the other person or the other people, right? We used to do a lot of work with my company with Latino and non-Latino relations. And we'd go into a company, you know, let's say a large construction company, right? That's employing hundreds or even thousands of Latinos, right? Mostly Mexicans and Central Americans. And you go in and you talk to the leadership, you know, superintendents or or even C-suite level people. And they couldn't tell you the most basic things about Mexican people, right? And so we start with education. What do I know, right? And then from education, we move to stage two, which is engagement. How do we actually interface and interact with people in a way that's meaningful to both they and, and us, right? And so stage three then becomes empathy because this is the coolest thing, man. This is like tipping point, right? And this is where I think our cultural relationships go wrong. So, if I'm properly educated about, say, Indians, right? Yeah. Okay. And I engage with Indian people, right? And I do so in meaningful ways. What that leads me to always is stage three, which is empathy. But here's the thing in the United States, most people think empathy is sympathy. It's like, feel sorry for people. Yeah. But empathy comes from a Latin term or Greek term, empathos, which means in passion. So, stage three is like, I'm now passionate about you. And I'm passionate about your culture, but I, and so it's like, I really admire you, right? And so when that happens, like that changes the entire dynamic of our cultural relations, but we can't get there without proper education and we can't get there without proper engagement, right? So we got to engage correctly. And then I go to stage four, which is excitement because now I'm passionate about you now that I go to stage four, which is I'm excited about the relationship, which by the way is the stage in which we set vision together. Yeah. Right? Because if we're excited about the relationship, we want to do something together. Right? And the crazy thing about leaders for the most part, and this is what I've seen, is most leaders want to go straight to stage four, create a vision and then sell it to people who've never even been involved in <laughs> stages one, two, and three together. You know? Oh, I've done that. <laughs> yeah. I mean, we, it's a temptation because we're, we're, you know, we want to kind of, And then we're trying forever to policy culture. We're trying forever to try to convince people to buy into our vision, but they were never part of it. They just were, they never had a meaningful seat at the table, which is really the whole point of the the diversity inclusion movement. And then stage five is empowerment. So now we have a vision together. So let's empower that vision. And then stage six is endearment where we actually get to true cultural endearment. We love each other. So the six stages of cultural mastery, what they do is they teach this mindset. Uh, By the way, there's a whole lot of talk right now, like about, Conscious bias, unconscious bias, implicit bias, you know, explicit bias, all this stuff. And, and like even workshops on this, you know, like Starbucks closed 8,000 stores to do a day of bias training, right? Yeah. But, but it'll, it never works, right? Mm-hmm. The only time, the only thing that works with bias is to convert negative bias to positive bias. And that happens in stage three when I actually become passionate about you. Yeah. But you just yeah. can't get through it. What you can't skip it. You can't just go, okay, we're going to do seminars and we're going to become conscious now. Well, if I have conscious bias, I'm still, I still have bias. Yeah. Yeah. What, what I want to do is I want to convert my negative bias into positive bias. And I can only do that by actually learning about the people really, you know, and actually engaging with the people, getting truly passionate about them. Now I can, now I have something to work with. Right. And, and so anyways, it's, it's kind of fascinating.
1: Yeah, I love that. I think it's uh, it's funny. I, I gave a talk recently on the idea of authenticity curve, and one of the things that I I said that which you, you just said something that reminded me of that was that I can't walk in the company tomorrow and say, "All right, guys, everybody gotta be authentic from now on." Like, no. <laughs> you know, you gotta be more authentic than you were yesterday, right? Like you, you can't put it on a piece of paper. You can you, you have to practice it. You can't skip a step. It takes time. Um, Building culture is not something that you just write on a piece of paper or paint on a wall or put beanbags and, you know, ping pong tables and say, that's our culture. Like all these things that became the thing of what Google and and Facebook does and people forgot, like, no, they did a lot more than that. Um, What I love about this really, man, is is this, this, these steps actually make a ton of sense. And I think the biggest takeaway so far for me is really the fact that You can't really skip it, 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 skip any steps in here. These are not like, it doesn't feel like they're made up. They feel like you have to learn before you can engage. You have to, before you can empathize, you have to to engage with them in some sort. You can't create excitement if you are not passionate about them, which which you talked about empathy. Uh, And unless you empower them, you can't get to the stage of where you're just totally in love with it. So I feel like these six stages how long did it take
0: for you to, to discover these? Yeah. You know, I think it's a lifetime, man. I'll tell you where it came from. So we would do all this consulting and we would teach leaders like, because we were so fine, like in Hispanic, non-Hispanic business relations. Right. And so we would teach them like the entire psychosocial package, like who are Hispanics? How do we think, you know, how do we get there? What are the trend lines, all this stuff. Right. And then we would teach them specific strategies. So strategies for sales, strategies for social media, strategies for safety, like, you know, strategies for leadership development. How do you recalibrate the leadership model from say Latin America to the American based company, all this stuff, right? So it's very specific stuff. And and they would pass these tests like for competency, right? And then they would go out like in the real world and still mess it up. And I would, it just drove me crazy. And I'm like, what's wrong, you know? And so the first inclination is like, what's wrong with them? You yeah, know, yeah. and then I was able to kind of turn it back inward and go, "Well, I'm the teacher, right? So what am I not giving them that they need?" Mm. And so I started to do some real work for myself. And what I realized was, we were asking people to lead external transformation, and they had never experienced internal transformation. And it's simply impossible for leaders to lead meaningful external transformation unless they've experienced meaningful internal transformation. And so what the six stages of cultural mastery do for a leader is they actually transform the mindset. And, and I would even say the heart set of the way we see, think about and work with people of diverse cultures. And, and to me, like this skill set, Sangram, is like it's like is essential in today's world as like learning how to type. I, I think that. Leaders have to get in a much better position today as it relates to working with people of diverse cultures. You know, it's just the world we're living, right? And we've got a lot of really unskilled people, well-meaning people, right? But but to me, this is a skill set. So you know, how how do I connect, and how do I create, and how do I collaborate to the highest levels, right? And and you know, on your flip the funnel podcast, you know, it's like when, when especially when you're dealing with sales, yeah, you know especially if someone's in international or global sales dealing with people from all over the world, you know, to, to be able to have a process like this, where you go, okay, the first thing I'm going to do is educate myself. Mm. And then I'm going to meaningfully engage with these people, whoever they are. Right. Yep. And, and I need to get to a point where I'm passionate about them because that's where I'm going to seek their good. Right. And that's where I'm going to admire them. And then, you know, we get to the, where we set vision together and that's, I mean, that's, that's the relational aspect of sales. It's, it's, it's the dynamic aspect of sales where we're, when we become true partners, right? Yes. We're not just trying to sell them something. We're partnering right. with our clients to create something amazing together. Right? right. So I, I think the six stages work really well and are essential for salespeople or working with diverse cultures. You know, and in the book, I give very specific strategies, and, and I talk about barriers to each one of these stages, and what kind of keeps us from it. You yeah, know, yeah. and specifically, what should we educate ourselves about? And yeah. you know, we've created we've created cultural mastery courses on the back end for training, and where you you know you have we have cultural mastery for sales professionals, we have cultural mastery for educators, we have cultural mastery for business leaders, and we have cultural mastery for law enforcement, which I think is a huge need in yeah. in our society. You know, so it, it, then it's just like, how do we take that and actually transform the cultural relationships in our organization so we can just, we can free that unbelievable amount of talent that's out there, right? Totally. That that makes a ton of
1: sense, man. I've already taken like four pages of notes. So let's, let let me just try to get to the, the, like the big ideas here. And I want you to share a challenge as, as you, because this is such a big topic. We can talk on hours for this thing, right? right? It's, it's, there's no... It's important, man. Yeah, it's so, so, so. But, but at the same time, I feel like there were three, at least three really big ideas that, I one, I've never thought about in that way. So thank you for educating me. And two, I feel like there is a real practical application of it for every marketing, sales, or leadership position out there to, to learn and adapt because we all are in a diverse culture. Even if you're local or global, I think we are all in diverse culture. And I think these stages mean a lot. So the, the first thing that, that really spoke to me where I said, stop, we got to record this thing because it's so good, <laughs> uh, is this idea of being a tolerant person or a manager or a leader to, or, or a citizen to this, this part of being endeared, like have endearment for others, which is, really comes from a place of love. And I think as a society, I feel like we all are, that's a happy place. That's the place we all want to be. But I've never heard anybody put it in those things. I think we all talk about being a tolerant country, a tolerant people, a tolerant manager, a tolerant leader. But it's really, no, I want to fall in love with people because that's who we are. I mean, if, if not that, then what's there? So I love that. I, w- I hope everybody tunes into that part of it and really makes a big impact. The other part, I think you just said it in fleeting, but I kept thinking about it while, even, while you were talking about some other things was this part of like people in general are well-meaning people like they they mean well but you made a point of saying that they may not they may not be well skilled people and again that's another big thought is like yes you know just because you're ignorant doesn't give you the right to be whoever you are you know you have to go and get the skills to be able to connect with other people in jobs in life, and life and and just in general so you know so just having a Good meaning like yeah like I'm, I'm a good person but that's fine you're a good person but you have to get skills to do that so I think that was a big idea the part where you said people don't fall in love uh, they grow in love again it's it's a big idea like you know me me and my wife we met each other probably 16 years ago and I think we still continue to grow yeah, Absolutely. Have, and it's not like it's reducing it's not it it's really growing is the only way to put it so I love love that part, and and the last part maybe again. There's just so many ideas here. So I'll have a lot of these in the show notes. But this part is that in order to do any of this effectively, sounds like to me. And you correct me, Ricardo, if I'm wrong here. But it seems like if you want to do any of this good, you have to have an internal transformation. Yeah. You can't fake it. You can't make it happen. You can't go to a one-day seminar and a skill and say, okay, we're going we got this. Let's do it. Like tomorrow morning, I'm gonna be well skilled. Uh, you know, diversity kind of leader. No, no, you can't. You, you have to have an internal change and transformation of mindset. And as you said, heart set. So I, I love, I really love that point. So I'm sure I've skipped a lot of things in here and, and missed. Oh, that's great. That's a great recap, man. Yeah. <laughs> but I'd love for you to share a challenge or a, maybe a an action that people can take listening to this today. You know, man, here,
0: here's the biggest thing I see, especially for leaders, right? And even for, for salespeople. That is, you know, we want to get to the end result, okay? So we, we tend to skip through the process mm. or try to fast forward through it. And, and what I found it is extremely linear. And it takes intention to want to educate myself about another group of people. Yeah. And it takes time to meaningfully engage with other people. You know, the, the thing about the six stages that I like that's really cool is just the way it kind of fleshed out. Right. And, yeah. and, and that is that three of them are like they're very tangible, proactive. And then three of them are from the heart. Right. Mm-hmm. And to me, it's like so if you have like education, which is proactive, you know, I have to do something. Right. Right. Engagement. I have to do something. Empowerment. I have to do something. OK, they're, they're tangible, objective things that we do. three of them are from the heart. Okay. So empathy is really a heart attitude. It's something that's coming from the inside. Excitement is really coming from the inside that drives the vision setting stage. Right. And endearment is a condition of the heart. And to me, the six stages are like this perfect marriage of, of the head and the heart, you know, or the hand and the heart, you know, and it's like, it's what we do, but it's who we are. And I think that if we can bring those things together culturally, And we're seeing this now over and over with people who have gone through this process and have taken it, you know, seriously. They are different people and their relationships are fundamentally transformed. And so we're what we're seeing is it takes intention. And you're right, it's not a one day seminar. It doesn't work. We don't even do them, (laughs) right? Because there has to be a process that's instituted if we want to truly fundamentally change the way our people intersect with one another and the way they, they, they interface with one another, then we have to guide them and lead them through this process, you know, and then here, here's kind of my view on that. I'll leave you with this thought. If, if we, within an organization, right. Or even a community. Okay. So we're working on these community transformation plans. Okay? Yeah. But if we're in a, within an organization to fundamentally change the culture of that organization, right. Okay. I have a couple of different options. One is I can try to policy that change Mm. or I can set the people free to create the culture that's inside of them, right? And the reality is that people drive culture, okay? Not policy. And so what I think policy does is it puts a framework around people to try to kind of control that environment. Wouldn't it be cool if we had a situation where we had an organization where every one of our team members became culturally healthy and skilled. Mm. And if that were the case, what would they be able to accomplish together? Right. All of those people were truly culturally endeared because here, here's my, my view on this. We talk about collaboration, right? Yep. Okay. Collaboration is the ability to, to work together and to kind of find the common good, right? But who's most prepared to do that? It's people who are culturally endeared to one another yeah. because true love will sacrifice for one another. Yeah. won't pull on each other. It's not ego-driven, right? So I think it would it fundamentally transform the organization. The parts make the whole, right? right? Yeah. And the cultural health of our team members creates the cultural health of our organization. Mm. I think leaders put way too much emphasis on how do we kind of create this framework around people rather than actually getting people culturally healthy and skilled. Right. And I think that's what I would leave you with, just that challenge to leaders that let's get our people culturally healthy and skilled. That will unleash the potential of the organization. And by the way, only culturally healthy and skilled people can create culturally healthy and skilled organizations. But they need internal
1: transformation themselves before they can expect
0: anybody to do it. Absolutely. So it's it's
1: liberating, man. I love it. Ricardo, thank you so much for sharing this. You're
0: awesome. (laughs) You've been listening to the Flip My Funnel podcast.